Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another edition of the Jesus Society podcast, the conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is episode 24, uh, I think. <laughs> Sometimes I can't keep track. I make notes and, uh, you know, I think I think this is 24. <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I think I'm right about that. I could stop and check, but I'm not going to. Um, so I hope everybody's doing okay there. We um, Things have uh, cooled off a little bit here in Middle Tennessee, and I'm, uh, I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm ready for fall, but I, I normally am ready for fall um, about the, the, time, the, the time we get done with 4th of July. I'm about ready for fall. So uh, I, have, um, I have northern blood since I grew up in Pennsylvania, and uh, summer heat is, uh, is kind of hard for me. Um, in fact, it was one year, um, and I think it was 2011, we were living in Texas, and we had, we had a year that year where we had 100 days straight over 100 degrees. And uh, I was, that, was a, that was a very hard summer for me. Um, it, it, like it messed with me mentally, and I was, I was pretty much a grouch. Uh, to everybody <laughs> all summer, but um, anyway, I haven't haven't seen that here. Uh, summers are still hard, but um, here here in Tennessee we have shade, which is you know kind of nice. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of that in Texas. Um, so I hope everybody's doing okay um, and uh, getting. Uh, I I hope we're getting back to normal a little bit, or at least what what's going to be the new normal after this pandemic, but gosh, I don't know. I, um, I watch the news and uh, I just get discouraged. So I don't watch much news, um, a little bit, just a little bit each day. And then I get discouraged and that's it for me for the day. So, but we've talked about all that before. So today, um, we're going to, you know, so this is a podcast about relationship renewal and purpose in the kingdom of God. We've talked a little bit about purpose. Um, we're going to talk a little more about the purpose part of thing uh, things today, um, particularly as it relates to the idea of calling. Um, so I'm going to try and tackle today in kind of an introductory way. Uh, the subject of calling and and what it means to find your calling and how you can maybe start to try to figure that out. Um, and, and the reason I say this is inter- introductory is that um, calling is a big subject. And in all honesty, I'm, I'm just going to say this up front, I'm not, I'm not completely sure that everybody gets a calling. Everyone has a purpose, but I think sometimes a calling is, you know, I look through scripture, not everybody had a calling. People, God called people to special things um, for special purposes for, for, certain, for, for certain times. And I, I think everybody, everybody talks today about, I want to find my calling. I want to find my calling. And I think what they really mean is I want to find my purpose that I'm good at, that everybody around me acknowledges that I'm good at, and that gives my life meaning. Things like that, um, and and I think I think we can get that. I'm just not sure it always rises to the level of calling. Now I could be wrong about that, but I've thought about this quite a bit. 
And that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. I'm, I'm open to having my mind change, but we're going to talk about calling today. But one of the, one of the things, and I'm just, I'm going to say this several times as we go through this, calling is something that unfolds over time in the context of a relationship with God. A calling is a calling from God. So you can't, you can't sort this out on your own. Um, and you can't just decide you're going to sit down uh, one day for 20 minutes and come away with your calling. It, it, it is something that happens, if, it, if it's going to happen, it happens in the, in the context of a, of a relationship, an engaged relationship with God the Father over time. Okay, so you, you can't make it happen. You can't um, you, you can't conjure it up. You can't think your way to it. Uh, I'm going to give you some some help and the thinking side, but all of this, um, all of this, um, really has to be filtered through a, a, a relationship with God because He is the one who calls you, and His. If he calls you, his calling is what matters, not what you think about it or how you work yourself into it. Okay, so so I say that with kind of a big caveat, and we're gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna remind us of that several times as we get through as we move through this, um, because neither I nor anyone else can help you sort out your calling in a thirty to sixty minute podcast where it's just me talking to you. And even if you were even if you were sitting here. Um, in the illustrious Jesus Society studios, <laughs> and and you and we could we could talk and we could converse and and I could ask you some questions and you and I could have a conversation. Even if even if that were true, we probably couldn't arrive at a conclusion about your ca- calling in one conversation, and we probably couldn't do it without God, right? We I wish for sure couldn't do it without God, you know. Um, so this is dipping our toes into this water, hopefully getting ourselves kind of sorted out and moving in the right direction and learning to avoid some of the common ways I think we get tripped up in our search for our calling in the modern world. Now, a lot of this, like, like most things, I have, I have read and studied a lot about this, but this has been my own journey too, right? In me trying to figure out um, what my calling was. Okay, so I have. I'm going to talk about some mistakes that you make, and I've made every one of them. So this is. I'm very sympathetic with the process and very, um, very tender-hearted about about moving through this. Um, and but I think that's why we need to do this kind of carefully. Okay. So, um, I, I want to say a few words as we start out about why I think calling is so difficult for us to sort out sometimes. It's difficult for a number of reasons. I, I think I think one reason is because we don't have the engaged relationship with God that we wish we did, right? Because calling, again, calling comes from Him, right? You can't do this on your own. You can't figure out your calling all by yourself. You just can't. Um, but, but beyond that, I think, I think it's difficult for a number of reasons. Um, first, because in America, um, we're just, and, and, and this is maybe true in all the Western world, um, we're just not used to thinking about calling. We're, we're used to thinking about jobs. We're used to thinking about success and initiative 
and proactivity and things like that. Uh, you can be anything you want to be, we're told, um, which leads us to, to just sort of by an act of sheer force and will um, sort of make things happen. And you can, you can do a lot in this world. I'm not, I'm not down on, on will and, and proactivity and initiative. Those are great things, right? But I'm not sure they have much to do with calling, okay? Um, people say you can be anything you want. The, the truth is you probably can't. Uh, each one of us has built-in limitations. Some of those are physical. Some of those are mental some of those, and I don't, I don't mean you got a mental problem. I, it's just, you know, I, I will never be a world-class mathematician. My mind doesn't, doesn't do math well, okay? I can do enough math to get by in the world, but anything more complicated than balancing my checkbook, and I got to take my socks off so I can count my toes. Um, but we all have some built-in limitations. Some of those are, are driven by our personalities, too. We're, we're wired a certain way, and that leans us toward some things and away from others, okay? Um, the reason we are so odd, A-W-E-D, not O-D-D. Some of us are O-D-D, right? <laughs> but the reason we are odd so much by people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and, and some, of these, some of these other people um, and, and what they've accomplished is because people like that are so rare. Uh, genius is relatively uncommon, and yet many of, of us believe that we could achieve similar things if we just had the right opportunities. And so we get, we get all wrapped around uh, the axle about that sort of stuff. And that, like that, I think, is, is confusing to try to sort out calling. The second reason I think calling is so difficult for us to, to sort of sort out is because most of us are just carrying around a lot of internal baggage. Um, fear of failure, for one thing. Um, fear of failure often uh, paralyzes us and, and keeps us from trying new things. Um, insecurity, low self-esteem, uh, those kind of things that tend to either breed people pleasers or people users. And neither of those quagmires are ter terribly con conducive to sorting out your own calling. Um, I flirted, and I'm going to use myself as an example uh, here in all this, um, I, I flirted with the because I can be I can be kind of a people pleaser, right? Um, I flirted with the idea about a decade ago that I was cut out to be a librarian. Uh, I even thought that it might be my calling. Uh, there was a there was a way I, I thought I could conceive of that to be my calling. Uh, I worked at a library at the time, and um, to my to my boss, uh, I was really really good at what I did. I she might have even thought of me as a miracle worker kind of although I doubt she'd never actually use those words. But but here's the thing. Because of my own weakness and my own brokenness and my own desperate desire to have somebody think well of me, right, I, I like to be appreciated. And the people pleaser in me is so easily seduced by appreciation. And it's really easy in those circumstances to make that appreciation, to, to mistake that appreciation for calling. Um, so in, in the library world, I found out that I could do that work. It wasn't life-sucking like some other things I've tried, but it really wasn't terribly life-giving either. And I eventually decided that was not my, my calling. Now, I still do some work in the library world even today. 
Um, it's a, it's a, um, well, I won't get into all that, but I still do some of that because I can do it and it, it helps me pay, um, some of my bills here. Um, so I'm grateful for that and I do it well. And the, the guy I work with who is a listener to this podcast, who I love dearly, um, these days he's much more of a friend than a, than a boss. Um, but I, I don't think any of that's my calling. Okay. Um, Another reason calling is sometimes difficult to discover is that some of us are just fairly competent people. Um, it, it's it's easy for us to excel at a lot of things that we that we put our hands to. Um, there are a lot of things we can do pretty well, um, and you know, doing something well always kind of has its own rewards. And sometimes we mistake those rewards for calling. Um, so maybe. You know, maybe you can do automotive repair. Maybe your mind works that way. You, you understand how engines work and you can do it and you can do it reasonably well and you don't really find it after, absolutely life-sucking. So maybe that's your calling, right? Well, maybe, maybe not, okay? Excuse me, coffee time. Oh, that's good. I did a double dip there because it was really good. Um, so then uh, finally, uh, but this is probably not finally because there's, uh, if I thought about it more, there's probably lots of other ways that we get hung up on this and why, why this is hard. Um, calling is hard sometimes because of the expectations of others. Uh, we, we live in a world where uh, the other people that we interact with every day have very real expectations of us. And sometimes those expectations are verbalized, sometimes not. But even if they're not verbalized, they're perceived and felt by us. And that those things can confuse and distort our perception of the idea of calling. Okay, So it's, this is a hard thing to do. And, and again, it's hard to do all by ourselves, right? Um, so here's some... I, I also want to kind of lay out for you a few misconceptions that I think people have about calling. There were certainly some things in here that I dealt with, okay? Um, one is that calling only involves professional ministry. Um, <laughs> that's just not so, okay? Um, the truth is that calling always has a kingdom purpose, okay? That's, that is absolutely true. But that absolutely doesn't mean you have to be in professional ministry. If you think the only thing um, going on in the kingdom involves professional ministry, you need to kind of expand your concept of the kingdom of God, okay? Um, sometimes we make it feel that way, that the only valid ministry is professional paid ministry. I am delighted to report to you that that is not true. <laughs> After spending much year, many, many years in paid professional ministry, I feel like I am doing more, more important, more valuable ministry today than I ever have in my life, and I am not getting a dime for it. Okay, so, but we, but we think that sometimes, and I want to, I want to disabuse you of that, of that assumption if you think that um, calling. It might, it might, it really might. God might be calling you into paid professional ministry, but don't think that, that, that that's a absolute or that he's not calling you unless he calls you that way, okay? Number two is thinking 
that um, this is a misconception, right? Thinking that calling is the same thing as gifts and skills. Don't confuse calling with gifts or with skills. Now, there's, I'm sure there's some overlap. There, there usually is, right? But they're not the same thing. You may be a genius. You may be a highly skilled uh, mathematician. We'll go back to that again. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your calling is to be a math teacher. It may be, but that may just be the way you earn your living. Okay, so don't automatically assume that your gifts or your skills are your calling. And that leads us to number three, and that that is a, a huge misconception, is that calling is the same thing as um, what we think of as vocation, or that my calling has to earn a living for me in order to be valid. Um, interestingly, you may know this, you may not know this, the word vocation actually comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call, right? So, so in, the, in the medieval church, they talked about your vocation, but, but they didn't mean your employment. They meant your calling. So sometimes you'll still hear today, particularly seems to be, um, I, th- I think Roman Catholics use, use this term that way a lot. Um, a lot of people that um, have uh, waded into contemplative spirituality, and I'm one of those, um, they will use the word vocation sometimes, and and what they usually mean is calling. Okay, um, so so if you hear people talk about vocation, you know, in in that sense, just realize it's not talking. They're not probably not talking about employment, right, or what you do for a living, as much as they are talking about calling. Okay. Um, so, so calling and vocation are related historically, but, but again, um, we need to think, or we tend to think sometimes that, that calling is related to employment, that I should be able to make a living from, from my calling. Um, and, and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but for now, just, just don't confuse calling with employment or what we normally think of as vocation, Okay. Um, number four, uh, common misconception about calling is that calling will lead to peace or success or maybe even glory. And, and I want to be really, really, really clear here. Um, I, I think a lot of people think that if I can just find my calling, then my, you know, everything I do, it's like, it's going to fit. There's going to, I'm, I'm not going to struggle as much. Everything's going to be easy. My, my life is going to have meaning. It's going to bless others, and and everything is just going to be wonderful and glory, glorious, and and maybe even you know um, I will receive receive some accolades or some recognition or 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 something for that. Um, here's the thing, though. This is this is true. I believe God does not call you to anything you're not equipped for. In other words, God. Um, and if God calls you, he will equip, equip you, right? Um, but that absolutely does not mean that everything is going to be easy or peaceful or full of accolades. And, and we don't have to go any farther to prove that than the Bible. Um, remember Moses? Clearly, God called Moses. We, we got to see it. It's the burning bush thing, right? God called him to lead his people. And God equipped Moses to do so. And I would argue that no one could have done that better. Um, 
and and that had as much to do with God as it did Moses. And yet Moses spent a great deal of time frustrated and wringing his hands, and um, the the people he was leading turned on him um, frequently. Right? Um, how about Paul? Uh, Jesus called Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Clearly, that's so. Um, but remember what remember what Jesus told Ananias about Paul's calling in Acts chapter nine. <laughs> He said, I will show him, this is Jesus say, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. So, and of course, if you read through the book of Acts, um, Paul was beaten and imprisoned and, um, I mean, boy, he didn't have it easy at all. So, so calling doesn't necessarily lead to easy street or glory, at least not in the sense of worldly glory, okay? So we need to... We need to be clear about that. Number five, and this is like this is a problem I've had, right? Um, the, the idea that I can find my calling by looking at other people, and here's what I mean by that. So, one time early in my quest to try to figure out my calling, um, somebody who I, who is very wise and I respect very much, I still love him, and and I will listen to anything he says because he's right ninety nine percent of the time. But he asked me, he said, he said, when you look around, is there anybody else that you see doing, living a kind of life that you, that you'd like to live that, you know, doing what you, you know, who, who, whose life do you look at that you think, man, I could do that. I'd love to do that. Well, that's a, that's an, that's an interesting question. Um, but uh, that, that is, I don't want to say it's bad advice, but for me, that was a that was a horrible place to look. Um, so, so I conflated career with calling for years, and that's a problem. But that's not this problem. Here's the problem I'm talking about here. Nearly every career path I have explored in my life, and there have been many legion, you might say, has been because. I knew someone for whom that career path fit so perfectly that it was beautiful. It was a delight to behold. Callings are like that, right? Um, fit is like that. When you see somebody working within there that, that is just fit for what they're doing, and, and it just it seems to be so effortless, and they do it so well, and everything they touch in 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 whatever sphere that is just seems to turn to gold. To watch somebody living out their calling is truly a pleasure to behold. It looks so natural and seems so effortless. It's not, of course, and they would tell you that, but it seems to the rest of it seems like it to the rest of us who are watching. Um, watching somebody live out their calling can't help but make you smile, and it looks so natural and so life-giving that we sometimes mistakenly think. When we see somebody like that, well, if I if I just did the same thing they're doing, I'd have the same result. It's like it's like the shirt or the dress that you buy because it looks so good on the model, right? You imagine that it'll look just as good on you, but when you put it on, it just doesn't seem to work. And maybe that's because I've got twenty five extra pounds around my middle, <laughs> and they didn't. Um, but it, with some garments, you know, it, it's clear the first time you try it on that this is never going to work for me. And mercifully, 
you can put it back on the rack without spending any money on it. But other times, you know, you put it on, it's it's not bad, doesn't look horrible. And so you commit, you buy it, you plunk down your card, cold hard cash and you take it home with you. And for the next few months, you put it on once a week and off you go to work thinking that it's your new power outfit, right? But it doesn't fit, not really. It, it chafes a bit here and there. It's not really your color or for some other reason, it just isn't you. And eventually it winds up hanging in your closet neglected, the victim of another failed attempt to be someone you're not. In the end, it it doesn't really work to wear somebody else's clothes, to do someone else's job, or to live someone else's life. We all have to live our own lives, and we all have to live out our own calling. So, so don't try to figure out your calling by looking at somebody else, okay? That's really important. Now, a couple of precursors before we get into this. We're going to get into the kind of how-to business here in just a minute. But um, I want to I want to make a couple of important precursors and caveats to this. Um, calling assumes at least two things, I think. The first of which, as I've said, and as I told you, I'm going to say again, is that you have an engaged relationship with God. You just shouldn't try to sort out your calling apart from intimacy with God. You can't do it. It is a calling from God. You can't, you can't figure that out apart from Him. You just can't. So if you don't have an intimate, personal, engaged relationship with God, I don't know how in the world you're ever going to sort out your calling. You just can't do any of this without, without Him. This is, this is why I talk about this so much. Um, you've... You know, it's having an engaged relationship with God, an intimate relationship with God is the only thing that really matters in life. Everything else flows from that. And so please figure that out first. Lay your, set your calling aside because you're not going to do it any, you're not going to figure it out anyway. Um, and build your relationship with God. And, and one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is to kind of help people sort of figure out what that looks like and, and how they can move from an unengaged relationship with God to an engaged relationship, okay? Um, so you, you can't do this without Him. So that's one of these precursors, right? The second precursor to sorting out your calling is that I, I, I believe that you need to be pretty... You need to be a good distance down the road in your spiritual journey. Um, in you, you need to be, you need to have at least some level of maturity. Okay, um, calling is not something for a brand new baby Christians. Okay, um, one of the things I've learned, um, and, and this has sort of become one of my touchstone sort of concepts, is that intimacy is the only thing we focus on. It, it is the it, it, like it is it is the thing we do in life as Christians. I focus on my intimacy with God. I work on my I'm, I always want to be paying attention to my relationship with God and and how he is is directing me and leading me, how I'm following him, right? Within that context, God breathes into me my own sense of, of identity, 
who I am. You can only get your identity from your father. We're going to do a podcast some at some point here about identity. But you can only get your identity from your father, right? And you can't do that apart from an intimate relationship. So intimacy begets identity, okay? And and without without intimacy, you won't, you'll never get your identity. And without your identity, you'll never you'll never understand how you fit in the kingdom of God. And you can call that ministry, you can call that calling, you can call that purpose. But I think about intimacy, identity, and ministry, and they flow in that direction. Sometimes we try to jump into some sort of ministry activity, and we think that from that we're going to get our identity and then from that, maybe we'll get our we'll get some intimacy with God. That is a my dad would say. I'm going to use a, a term that <laughs> that may offend you, but I, I you know this is a good term. My dad would say you've got that's a bass awkward approach. <laughs> okay, that you don't do you don't do this that way. You don't because if you start out in in ministry or in service or in some kind of some kind of religious activity and think that you're going to get your identity from that, you are sure enough going to use people in the process. You're going to, you're going to try to get your, um, your sense of identity from other people, and that is the wrong place to get it, okay? So, so you, intimacy first, always. God will give you a sense of, of identity within that intimate relationship, and out of that identity will flow your purpose, your um, your calling, if you will. Okay, um, and so, but because that's just the way it works, you need to be down the road a little bit on this, right? You can't come up out of the waters of baptism and expect a calling to be laid upon you. you you're still sorting out what it looks like to walk with Jesus, right? You're still. Um, the, the Holy Spirit's still working on getting some of the old junk out of your life, right? You, like, um, so, so you need to have a, a degree of maturity, I think, before calling is going to materialize. Um, because calling always involves kingdom purposes, and you can't give what you do not have. You really just do need a certain amount of maturity before God is likely to give you a calling. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't serve in the kingdom of God until you're mature. You can serve from day one. You can be a blessing um, in the world around you from day one in the kingdom, okay? But calling is something a little more, okay? And I think you need... I, I, I don't know anybody who got a calling from God that wasn't reasonably mature when they got it, okay? Okay, now we're, we're finally here at the point that you've been waiting for. How do you start sorting out what your calling is? Um, well, this involves some soul work. And the, the process I'm going to give you comes from a lot of reading, a great number of conversations with uh, some, some people who are older and wiser uh, than me and, and have helped me tremendously um, try to try to learn how to how to do this. Um, it's come from my own experience in sorting sorting this stuff out for myself. And surprisingly, it comes from a New York Times blog post way back in 2014, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. 
Um, not the normal place I go for spiritual insight, <laughs> but it was a pretty well-written article and it was thoughtful. And the author states that, um, and, and he's he's really talking more about vocation in the traditional sense, but but I think there's I think there's some 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 real meat here in thinking about calling. Um, but but he says that our desires should not be the ultimate arbiters of vocation. Sometimes we should do what we hate or what most needs doing and do it as best as we can. Now that's an interesting quote and it's it's an interesting thought. And we could spend probably an hour long podcast talking just about that. Um, I think that adv- that piece of advice there will probably resonate with a lot of people. Uh, I would venture to say that the the bulk of the greatest generation would probably identify with that perspective. But before we start pitting um, do what you love against do what needs done, because um, you know do what you love that's like that's the watchword of our times, right? Everybody says do what you love, follow your passions, right? That's the that's the thing. Um. And so before we start pitting those two things against each other, um, which I think is a, is a false dichotomy, I would like to suggest that both perspectives can and probably should find a happy marriage in our quest to find a way to live out our lives according to God's calling. Okay, so I have, I, I think, do what you love. There, there's some truth there. I think do what needs doing. There's some truth there. Okay, so... I have spent a long time thinking about how I might kind of synthesize my own my own experience as well as the experience of some others that I trust and have talked to and the things that I've read and studied, kind of synthesizing all that into, into a uh, kind of a more streamlined process that would maybe help others kind of level out the learning curve a, get, a, a bit. Um, and because that's what we do, right? We always... We always like 10 short steps to health, wealth, and prosperity, right? We like to we like to sort of systematize things and make them easy. I'll just say calling is not one of those things that easily lends itself to that, okay? Uh, that is not going to stop me from trying. <laughs> so I, I, I do have some things that I think are helpful for you to think about that, that if nothing else will help you get to know yourself maybe a little bit better, Okay. So I'm going to give you some questions uh, to ask yourself and think through and meditate on as you begin to 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 kind of explore what your calling might be and in dialogue with God. Okay, in dialogue with God. Don't do this on your own. All every one of these questions, ask God. You know, walk through them with Him. Okay. So so I want to I want to give you. I've got ten questions which is a nice, easy number, um, to kind of meditate on as you sort through the issues of calling and vocation for yourself. Um, and I've, the, the questions are kind of grouped into three sets, and I find this helpful, okay? Um, the first set um, contains um, some you questions, which are intended to, to, to prompt us to consider our design, okay? Since God hasn't made me quite like anyone else, um, which is a particularly salient truth that my wife reminds me of regularly, I would expect that my calling to be uniquely suited to me. It should be something I'm fit for. So 
So you need to understand who you are, what your strengths are, what your what your vulnerabilities are. So there's some questions that kind of help you sort of tease some of that out. Then there are a couple of others questions which move us to consider the needs of others, particularly those around us in our immediate area. Because a calling, after all, if it's really a calling, should in some way extend the blessing and mercy of God to others. And then there, finally, there's a, there's a series of reality questions which force us to consider the realities of time and place and resources that constitute the, the, the circumstances in which we live. So, without further hesitation, <laughs> here they are. So the first, and these are the, these are the you questions, and I think there's, I think, let's see, there's four of these maybe? Yeah, there's four of these you questions. So the first, the first thing to consider is your personality type. Um, are you an introvert or an extrovert? How do you process information? How do you see and react to the world around you? How comfortable are you with uncertainty? Um, those are all some, some but not all of the essential questions of personality, and they're part of what makes you uniquely you. And, and it's reasonable to assume that God would not call you into something contrary to who he has made you to be. So it's, it's a good idea to start trying to figure out who he's made you to be. Now, I've got a book um, that's going to be in the show notes today. It's by David Benner. Um, I had it out a little while ago, and I put it back on my shelf, so I don't know where it is. But it's in the... It's in the where is it? I need, to, I need to tell you what the title is. You'll see it in the... It's called The Gift, it's called the Gift of Being Yourself, and it's by David Benner. Um, it is an excellent, excellent book. Um, some of us in our in our church background have the idea that that um, we shouldn't pay any att- attention to ourselves. And there's some scripture that kind of leads us there. That that who you are isn't important. It's think of others before yourself, and to, and to, and to have any sort of um, focus on yourself is just somehow wrong and sinful. David Benner makes the case that that is just not so. God made you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb and figuring out how he, how he did the knitting is an important part of loving yourself. And you can't love yourself or you can't love others without loving yourself. So it's a, this is a thin little book, but boy, oh boy, is it rich. It is a rich, rich book. So um, you should read that, okay? Um, so you need to kind of, um, figure out who God made you to be. So how do you do that? Well, there's some personality tests that, that can be a part of that. Um, uh, there's, there's two that, that I like. I've done, I, I jokingly say sometimes that I um, have done every personality test uh, known to man, uh, which is probably not true, but I have done a lot of them. And I, there's two that I like that I think are, are useful. One is the Myers-Briggs test, um, which is very popular. Lots of people have, have done that. Um, it's, it's useful. It will tell you some things about you that, that are true and, and good. Um, I have also found the Enneagram um, to be really, really, really helpful. In fact, I, th- those, those two uh, tell, have told me more about myself that I think is true than anything else I've done. Um, if I had to just recommend one, I, it might be the Enneagram. Um, it is it is a wonderful tool, and it tells you how you see the world, um, and uh, also 
what your kind of where your vulnerabilities are, where your where your spiritual blind sides are, and and that, there's some really useful stuff. So there's a there's a book that I've included. Uh, it's called The Road Back to You. A lot of people have used this. It's relatively new. I think it was just a couple of years ago, three four years ago maybe that it came out. Um, Suzanne Stabile um, is one of the co-writers of that book. She is a wizard when it comes to the Enneagram. She's so sweet and so kind and and so gentle in helping people sort that stuff out. Um, Ian Morgan Crone, who I, who I don't know as well, uh, he's the other uh, author of that book. But it's a very good um, book in sort of orienting you to the Enneagram and sort of helping you kind of figure out what your number is, right? And, and uh, I, find it, I find the Enneagram very useful. And there's lots of places you can go beyond that one book if you want to explore it deeply. But that'll, that'll kind of get you in the ballpark. Okay, so um, and I uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for those the, those two books, and I think I've got another one or two in there. Um, but but don't leave this just to personality tests. Okay, um, dialogue about some of this stuff with your spouse or or the people who know you best. Who do they think you are? What do they think your 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 strengths are and your weaknesses? Sometimes we are so blind. To our to ourselves, right? Um, so so involve some people who you trust. You know, not everybody gets the right to speak into your life about who you are, but so find some people that you really really trust that you think are honest, uh, that aren't just going to blow smoke at you and tell you what you want to hear. Um, people that love you, people that know God. You know, invite them into the process and and uh, dialogue with them. Mix that together with with the personality tests and and what you think. You know your opinion of yourself matters. Um, mix all that together and talk all of that over with the Father. Uh, try to get really really clear on who you are and what drives you and how you see the world and respond to it. Okay. Uh, number two. Excuse me. Coffee. Number two, what do you enjoy doing? What kinds of activities make you lose track of time when you're engaged in them? Um, what do you what do you enjoy doing enough that you can work hard at it? Okay, that's a that's a useful question. I think um, sometimes I, I you know there's things I enjoy doing, but I don't really want to work hard at that. Right. So what do you enjoy doing enough that you can work hard at it? And it doesn't feel like uh, dreary, just you know, beating rocks in the hot sun. Okay. Um, another another piece of this, um, and, and I, I have a bit to say about this because I think we can misuse this question, but I think it's useful. What would you do if you could do anything you wanted? And I don't mean what would you do if you had all the money in the world and could just indulge every whim. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, what would you do with your time? with your life, if you didn't have to worry about earning a living. So if somebody generously deposited $4,000 in your bank bank account on the first of every month, and you didn't have to earn that in some way, how would you use your time? If you could spend your days doing what you wanted to do instead of what you had to do, what would you do? And if all your answers to that question are involve fun and recreation, you need to think a little deeper. But don't throw those things away either, okay? 
what you could, what would you do? Here's another way to get at this. What would you do if you could divorce yourself from people pleasing, from fear, and from envy? What's your What's your heart saying to you about all that? Like if you, if you didn't have to worry about what other people would think about what you do, what would you do? What engages you? So eliminate all the other voices in your head, and what do you hear? And and that's the key, I think, to this eliminating all the other voices. When you push aside all the other voices and listen to the, the, the quiet pleadings of your own heart, what do you hear? See, I think God is most present in moments like that. When we've silenced all the other voices and noise in our world and are just content with the whispers of our own hearts and the sound of our own breathing, it's in, it's in those moments where I think God whispers into our lives both his love and our design. And he whispers those tender words in the midst of the deepest longings of our own hearts. So you got to pay attention to all that stuff. But you can't do that very well if you can't silence the other voices. Okay. Uh, number three, what are your skills? What are you good at? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities? Um, there's some lists of gifts and things like that in Scripture. You can look at those. Um, I, I think those. I don't think those are complete. I, I you know, I, I think there's more gifts than just those that God can give people. Um, um, so, what what are you good at? Um, skills can be acquired or enhanced, sure, but there are some things that will just come a lot easier to you than they will to other people. Um, some people have a knack for languages, for instance. Um, I was not really one of those. I studied Greek and I studied Hebrew and I I know them well enough to use the tools and to get by, but those things came hard. Excuse me. Those things came hard to me. Um, some people have six or eight languages that they speak fluently and it, it just seems to come a breeze. So um, some people have a, a, a knack for figuring out how things work. Uh, some are skilled communicators Others have the ability to resolve conflicts. Um, some people are really good at analysis and research. Okay, um, some people are marvelous craftsmen. Um, some people, um, you know, I, we could go on and on. Like, there's just a, you know, what are you good at? What What are your skills? Some people are givers, right? They love and are good at giving. Uh, some people are empaths, and, and people. If you're an empath, um, people just seem to seek you out to share their heart with. Um, so your your proclivities, as far as talents go, are are part of how God has designed you. So you need to you need to know what those things are, and you need to pay attention to them. Number four, what are you passionate about? What do you care deeply about? What what moves you or stirs you? And and that can either be positive or negative, right? Um, for instance. Uh, I am particularly moved in a, in a positive way by seeing others use and develop their gifts. Um, I am equally moved in a negative way by seeing people be mistreated or abused. Okay, well, those those kind of questions uh, help identify the things that you see and notice about the world around you, and what the Lord has put on your heart. All those things together, all those four questions, kind of help you get at the heart of. Who you are, who who God has made you to be. 
okay? Um, so the next little group here, um, um, and um, there are just a couple of these, I think. Um, these are others' questions, okay? So number five, what does your community need? And the idea of community can be as broad or as narrow as it needs to be. But the point here is to identify the needs of the people around you, okay? Um, it's reasonable to assume that your calling might have something to do with meeting at least some of the needs of the people around you. Um, and I'd also advise you to think beyond just the big things, right? Um, sometimes we get, we get so focused on the grandiose uh, you know that we that we miss the opportunity to to do really meaningful things that are far from grandiose. Okay, um, God may be calling you to impact a whole city or to save lives, but He may also be calling you to something that might be thought of as like a niche ministry. For instance, um, Henry Nouwen, and if you've never read any of Henry Nouwen's books. You like you should stop right now and go read three or four of them. Um, he was a great, great uh, writer. Just boy, um, one, one book. So there's several books that are rolling through my head right now. But um, find the book "The Way of the Heart" by Henry Nouwen. "The Way of the Heart." Um, that's a good place to start. Um, and there's three or four other really, really good books. Um, but Henry Nouwen, he was a he was a Catholic priest. He was a theologian. He was a he was a teacher um, at at a number of big universities. L late in life, he walked away from all that. He was a prestigious teacher, professor, okay, at a prestigious university. Can't remember which one. He he became convinced um, late in his life that the Lord was calling him to something different. So he he quit his job as a professor. And he went um, to live in a house um, that there were just a very there was a few people living in that house, and they it was a it was a ministry, but it was it was a house that um, a residential house for people with severe developmental disabilities. And Henry Nouwen spent the last years of his life living with those people, and feeding them, and cleaning them, and loving them, and. That was his community, just a handful of severely developmentally disabled people because God called him to that. Now, it'd be easy to look at that and say, oh, but he'd have so much reach if he'd have uh, so much impact if he'd have stayed in, you know, in what he was doing. You're looking at that through worldly eyes. You know, the impact that God wants you to have, God gets to decide. And who's to say that, I'm going to say it this way, who's to say that preaching a sermon to thousands is any more important than feeding and cleaning one severely developmentally disabled person in the, in the, through kingdom eyes, through kingdom eyes, right? So, so think about what the people around you need, okay? Number six, what does your family need? Uh, I had an instructor one time who told me that if he were, if he was single, he'd be traveling the world doing mission work. But he got married, and his wife was kind of really something of a homebody, and just could never stand that kind of unrootedness. And so he was forced to kind of settle in one location. 
And he said, after many years there, he said that he had become convinced that that was a gift of God, and it, and and his wife, his marriage, forced him to focus more than he might have otherwise. Ultimately, he thought he was probably able to impact more people and more lives than he ever would have done had he been able to kind of wander the way he felt like he wanted to. I think God calls us first to serve the families he's given us. You might be comfortable living in a grass hut and eating bugs while serving a remote tribe of people, but your spouse and children may need a more normal existence with a bit more income than that. And rather than see your your spouse or your family as hampering your style, maybe see him or her as God's gift to you to help guide you to where you can really thrive and fulfill your calling. Okay, pay attention to that. So, um, gosh, where are these? There's that one. This is a long episode. <sighs> I'm going to keep going. These keep getting longer. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I don't know what to do. Um, so here's the reality questions. Um, number seven, can you make a living doing something you identified in the first four questions in the place that you currently live? And can doing so allow you to serve and bless some of the needs of the people around you from questions five and six? If so, man, that's fantastic. But if not, question number eight, how can you earn a living where you live or where you want to live? What, what kinds of employment opportunities are available, available to you there? Um, this is one of those hard, cold realities of life questions. If you live in an economically depressed blue-collar area of, say, West Virginia, for example, your opportunities for earning a living wage may be kind of limited, okay? But here's the thing, folks. There's a whole lot of reasons why you find yourself planted in a particular place and are either unable or unwilling to move. Maybe you're happy where you live. Maybe you've got family close by that you need to stay close to or you want to stay close to. Or maybe you just feel like part of the Lord's calling for you is to serve the community and where you live. Those are all perfectly fine reasons for being where you are. Don't think that you've got to move to do some kind of calling. Maybe you do, but maybe you don't. And if, if any of those things are true, you're going to need to find a way to earn a living where you're at. And that'll certainly entail doing something that's available there, okay? In other words, you may need to be something of a tent maker, like the Apostle Paul was in Corinth. Um, you may, um, and again, remember, calling is not always the same as career. Remember that. Remember that. It's not the same as career, okay? Not always. Number nine, are you willing or able to move to another location to do something you identified in questions one through four? You may be willing uh, or able to move uh, somewhere else, and doing so may allow you to make a living from your calling. That's okay. And number 10, if you can't earn a living where you currently live doing something you identified in questions one through four, and you're either unable or unwilling to move, can you find a way to engage your passions and use your gifts and talents avocationally? Once again, calling and career are not always the same thing. In fact, I, like, I, I believe this. Boy, do I believe this these days. Sometimes in order to fully live out your calling, you may need to do something else for a career, okay? It may, it may be demanded from that. Okay, so those are the questions. I've, I have found those questions really helpful, and I've shared them with some other people who have found them helpful as well. So 
Don't rush through them. Take as much time as you need to think uh, about them. You could wrestle with one question every day or one question every week would not be too much time to be spending on one, okay? Um, this is soul work. Soul work is so important in, in, in this journey with God and you, you can't, you can't short-circuit it, or you, you can, but you do so to your own detriment and to the detriment of the kingdom. So take your time with this kind of stuff. Talk about these questions with the people you love. And most importantly, again, talk, invite the Lord into this, okay? Ask him to help you find honest answers to these questions and the settled peace that comes with living true to his design and your calling. Now, I'm going to say, this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've said this, but I'm going to say it again. Um, and this is very intentional. I'm burning time on this podcast, but I'm saying it. It is so very important that before, during, and after you work through these questions, you invite God into it. Practice examen, um, which we talked about in the, uh, the, the, the episode that we did about discernment and decision-making, okay? Listen to what God has to say to your heart about all this and take your time. Okay? Unless God himself appears to you in a burning bush and lays it all out for you, you're going to need, need to employ patience and discernment as you allow God to move in your life and reveal his calling to you. And that'll probably happen over time. Okay? Also, don't think that once you have it sort of figured out that that's it for the rest of your life. Remember, calling flows out of relationship and it often changes over time. And as you're situations or circumstances or the people in your life change, it's natural to assume that your calling might change a bit too, okay? So so it's never, this is never a settled one and done kind of thing, but something that evolves in the midst of a relationship with the God who created you. And you, and you just can't do that, I don't think, in an afternoon. It took me, this is going to sound intimidating, it took me about eight years to sort most of that out. And part of that, probably a lot of that, was due to most of the stuff we've talked about already. My own immaturity, my own misconceptions about calling, my own brokenness, my own tendency to be influenced by other people. And sorting through all that was painful. Uh, it was at times challenging and at times, at times deeply unsettling because I had to confront some stuff about myself that I really wish I didn't know. <laughs> Transformation is that way, by the way. And you can't short-circuit that process except to your detriment. Every bit of that is important to what God wants to do in your life. So, and let me just tell you, because I want to be completely honest here, I wrote many of the notes for this episode way back in 2011. That was nine years ago. Uh, I was running a blog at the time, and I wrote many of these, many of the stuff I've shared today. I wrote, I wrote a lot of it 11 years ago, but I never published it because I didn't know how to finish it. This is the first time that I've shared most of this in any kind of public way. I've shared it with some individuals privately, but I feel good about this. I think this is this is born out of some good stuff, and I think it's ready for a, a bit of a wider audience. But but the point is again. You just can't do this kind of deep soul searching in an hour or two or even a month or two. God usually needs to do far too much untwisting of the twisted places within us for any of this to happen quickly. There just aren't any shortcuts. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I have often been so impatient with this process 
and I suspect I'm not alone. Quietness and significant time spent quieting all the other voices, listening to God, listening to your own heart, and then meditating on it all is the only real way to arrive at clarity about calling. Okay, I want to close with this. And and please hear this, okay? This may be the most important thing that I say today. God cares far more about you and who you become in relationship to him than about what you can do for him. You hear that? God cares far more about you and who you become in relationship with him than about what you do for him. Calling is not the, 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 the apex of your life with God. Your life with God is the apex of your life with God. And the, and the transformation that he wants to do in you is far more important to God than about what you do for him, okay? God has made you exactly the way he wants you as a unique expression of his grace designed and fashioned expertly to bear his image to the world. You are not flawed. We are all broken by and in bondage to this thing called sin. But if you're a Christian, God has redeemed you from that. He has freed you from that bondage and is transforming you into the image of Jesus. And let that relationship be enough for you. Don't hang all the meaning and satisfaction in your life on defining your calling. Hang the meaning and satisfaction in your life onto Jesus and your relationship with him. Let him be enough. But once he is enough for you, once you get to the point where you can honestly say, Lord, you're enough, he does have a calling probably for you that is wonderful. You are not just a tool, okay? You're not just a tool. He didn't put you on this earth just so he could use you. You are his precious child who he delights in. But God has a purpose for you. And it's a purpose you are uniquely qualified to live out with his help. So believe that. And go to the Father in that confidence. Ask him to help you discover what that is, to transform you and empower you so that you can live that out, knowing that you're stepping into something that you are made for and that is deeply needed in God's good world. And go forth as a deeply loved child of the King. Carry his image into your world with grace and love and peace. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. This is the longest episode that we've ever done. My heavens, um, I, I really want to do better. But boy, sometimes this stuff is just, uh, it, you, know, you got to say it all uh, in one fell swoop. But I thank you for sticking with us today. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll join us again next week. Um, as always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. Um, please rate us and review us on iTunes, but please tell people about this. Like the, the thing I care about, I mean, it's neat to rate and review on, on iTunes. That makes the numbers go up and it makes some, some people uh, happy, I guess, because we're reaching a wider audience. But what I care about in reaching a wider audience is that 
I, I think I've got some stuff that can help you live with God better. Okay? I, I want as many people to hear that as possible. If it's helpful. If it's helpful. So if you enjoy it, please tell somebody, somebody else. Please visit our Facebook group uh, for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, uh, check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, you really are greatly loved.